Assalamu alaikum. I'm Khalil Alika. And I'm Zahir Parker. And welcome to AccidentalMuslims.com. So AccidentalMuslims.com is a, a movement, a platform where we showcase present and future leaders to help us live with purpose. And we believe that everybody has a story to tell. This podcast hopes to add value. So welcome and enjoy. And this evening we have another special guest. And in fact, we've been trying to get hold of her for a couple of months now. But Alhamdulillah we have, and she's here in the studio. Assalamu alaikum Khalil, and to our guest, Zahra or Zahra? Zahra. Zahra, mashallah, the flower. That's the same root, as, uh, Arabic root as my name, Zahir. So Just Zahra. interesting uh, point there. Zahra, welcome. Shukran for accepting our invite. And as Khalil said, he's been trying to get hold of you for a while. I don't know what happened there. You need to fight with him. Uh, but thank you for being here. We're very uh, honored. No, shukran for having me. I think the honor's all mine. Um, I mean, I've been following you guys for a while as well. And I actually said to my husband, why do this? never get in touch with me what am i doing am i not doing enough like what's going on <laughs> but shukran the honor is all mine um i really am inspired by what you guys do and i'm honored to be one of your guests so our first question mm-hmm. a famous one who are you so my name is zahra um a lot of people might know me as zahra isaacs because i started my career within the radio side of things, um, particularly at Voice of the Cape radio station. And obviously, I wasn't married at the time, so I only went by Zahra Isaacs. I'm now Zahra Robinson, and a lot of people people know me by that, because that's the way I sign off on a TV show. I like him so now for me, Zahra Robinson, <laughs> to a point where I'm actually sick of saying, ah, oh, Zahra Robinson. But anyway, that's who I am, and that's me in a nutshell. So take us back, like, we did to grow up. So I was born in the ghetto. No, I was really born in the ghetto. Uh, My parents divorced very young, so I knew from a very young age um, uh, that I needed to kind of understand who I was and fend for myself. I mean, my mom was a single mom who really worked quite hard for us as well. And I have both my parents in my life, but I always had this drive to, you know, do something more and be something more. And my career actually started when I went to radio stations asking for an opportunity to literally just make them some tea. And they said no. And I was like, no, give me the opportunity. And I started off at the one radio station literally doing that, making tea. And then when a position opened at Voice of the Cape, I applied. And I think there was no salary for like a month or two, if I remember correctly. But I took it mainly because of the opportunity that I saw within it. And after that two months of not being paid or whatever the case was at the time, I had said, okay, I think I'm ready. Give me give me this role. And from there, I started to become a producer for, I don't know, I'm sure everyone knows him, critically acclaimed um, journalist and award-winning journalist, Shafiq Morton. I produced for him for about a year before that role evolved into producing for two other shows, one of which was my own. And that was a big step for me because, yeah, I was from tea girl to now, assalamu alaikum, welcome to, you know. Um, and so when I had gotten all three roles, I actually found and discovered my love for radio. I am not currently in radio, but I would love to get back into radio. But from there, it actually springboarded me to a national TV show, which you might know, it's Expresso on SBC3. 
um, where I produced and became a field presenter for a national TV show. And then from there, that also springboarded me to another show, Unknown the Light, which is currently on SBC3 every Saturday at 7 o'clock. So I thoroughly believe that no opportunity is too small. And if you're literally willing to work and suck up your pride and are humble enough to say, I'll do anything for the opportunity, you know, Allah will provide. If you go back to season two yeah. of AccidentalMuslim.com, we actually interviewed Uncle Shafiq. Oh, wow. And he spoke glowingly about his, what did he say, prodigies or mm-hmm. his, his pupils or his yeah. producers. Yeah. He spoke lovingly about how um, the radio culture, that mm. community radio, uh, actually helped develop these younglings at that time. Mm. And now they're all flourishing in various parts mm. of the media industry. Um do you see yourself becoming the mentor now or you've been around now for a while in, in media and, and, and community radio and all those sort of things? So to be honest with you, I don't fully see myself as a mentor. I mean, I've got knowledge and if people want, I can just ask and I'm always willing to share. But I always think that to be a mentor, you always need to be learning yourselves. And so I don't think that I'd ever see myself as a mentor because I'm always looking as to who's my next mentor, where mm. am I learning more, etc., etc. But I mean, if someone wants to learn, my books are open. I don't have, you know, any reservation of being selfish with my knowledge. I think mm. knowledge is power. And the more we share, especially within our own community and equip our own people, why not? You know, it's brilliant. You know, I was at my son's uh, awards the other day mm. and the school slogan is knowledge is light. Mm. Now we know you just mentioned earlier, yeah. Anur, the light, yeah. you know. So when you take us out, how did it evolve to, to, to getting involved with Anur as well? Um, and what's the most, what's exciting about being on those sort of TV shows? So Anur started literally like any other TV show. There was a casting call. I went to audition and I actually went late. I think the submissions closed and I had emailed to say, Oh, salams, I'd like to apply. This is who I am. This is what I'm about. Can I still come? And they had accepted the submission. I think it was a day before the deadline and they sent me a draft script. Oh no, actually I lied. They didn't send me a draft script. They just sent me a location and I went and I got the script and I had five minutes to, you know, go in and like wow them. And I did my thing and I left it at that. I always believe that like don't stress about an opportunity. Like go in, do the best you can and, you know, leave it in all those hands because there's no point in stressing. And I left it for like two, three weeks and then I only got the call back to say, oh, hey, you're the new presenter or the face of the show. And that was a great opportunity for me. Number one, uh, I wasn't very new to presenting because I'd done it on Expresso Show before. But what was new to me and what I liked a lot was the, was another voice that I could add to Muslim issues and you know Muslim-centered content, which I feel there's kind of a lack of currently within our media landscape, especially Muslim entertainment that is entertaining. I feel like we're always trying to tell stories that teach and not necessarily entertain and so I was very proud to be part of a project that was kind of doing both at the time. There's a quick question on Mm -hmm. Instagram. Okay. What challenge did you have as a female Muslim producer? As a producer or presenter? Producer. So as a female within the media landscape as a whole, I always feel like my voice needs to be heard more. I don't think it's a religious thing. I think it's literally just a female male thing because the current media landscape is so male dominated. Um, I think it's going to take time for some more progression, especially within the f- having more inclusive female and people of color within the media landscape. But I think 
women and especially millennials need to also understand that you can't take offense within this industry or any other industry if someone is speaking to you in the uh, not a nice way or it's never a personal thing business is business whether you're female or person of color or male business is business and at the end of the day there's a way to handle it so in the same way that there's a way to handle it there's a way to find your voice in those situations as well and so as soon as you know who you are and what your kind of role is and where you want to be then i think that'll make it much easier cool it's an interesting point that you've been maybe latching on to what the, the mm. viewer's question is. What's, what's the, 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 the best advice that you receive uh, during, whether it's uh, actual advice mm. or maybe just something you contemplated yourself mm. during your, your, your progression as a presenter, as a producer? I think for me, the best advice is to stay humble. Um, people are literally in this industry. It's very easy to get caught up in the glitz and the glam. I mean, I've been at the Met, I've been at the Pink Polo, I've been at all these fancy award shows, Mrs. Crowning of Mrs. South Africa on the stage with Louisa Mbala, you know, it's all documented. And it's very easy for me to feel like I am Mrs. South Africa or I am, you know, uh, Aisha Baker or whoever the person is because that's your circle and that's who you, you kind of roll with but it's important to differentiate between what your career is and what your personal life is and who you are in both because I don't think it's even it's it's equal kind of time and effort that you should be giving to each and also you should always remember that a job do- doesn't define you a job isn't who you are type of thing so my advice is always remain humble even though the people that you're interviewing are glitzy stars. And even if you become a great success on your own, you're literally going to go much further if you remain humble and respectful than, oh, hi, you can't mm. contact me. Like mm. I was putting on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> describe yourself in three words. So if I had to describe myself in three words, I'd say I'm bubbly. I'm very determined. Like... Tell me no, then I'm going to show you I'm going to do it. And I've had that since a kid. And I think I'd say I'm very friendly. I'd, I'd like to say that. You guys just meet me today. What do you think? Let me let me turn the tables on you. Oh, no comment. <laughs> I'll leave this interview right now. I'll leave. No, I'm Okay. If you, talk about, if you think about today's youth, mm. what concerns you? Mm. And on the flip side, what excites you? What can I start with what excites me? Yes. What excites me is that we all are really eager to do a lot of big things. I think our mindsets are much bigger than our parents wanted to like. I mean, like, we want to travel the world and we won't mind sitting next to a toilet in the plane to get to wherever we want to be. I think that's who we are right now. But I think at the same time, we're also a bit lazy in terms of putting in the effort to actually get to that position, to buying that ticket to get on that airplane. You know what I mean? But in the same time, what I also appreciate is that our generation, we understand the value of the internet and content and what we're putting out there. And so if I could invest in accidental Muslims, for example, I would, I would say, yeah, take my money and I'd throw it at you, you know? But I think what concerns me is obviously keeping that mindset within our next generations because if I had to go to someone else who's a bit older than us and ask him or her to finance this they wouldn't understand what they want to see how they're getting money back or what is this coming out of so I think 
that the what I'm also excited about is that we understand this digital age that we're working on and we're pioneering through it. Um, but it's also concerning because we have this at our fingertips, we also need to be aware of what we're putting out there and who's at the other end and receiving it. Definitely a friendly person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I see investing accidental. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Uh, sorry, you, you mentioned uh, earlier, I know you're mm. not so active on Instagram at the yeah. moment, but you know, uh, and earlier you alluded to the superficial sort of mm. lifestyle, you know, uh, and a lot of people out there, they always look out for how many likes they have on Instagram yeah. and Facebook and those sorts yeah. of things, and, and it's kind of misleading for a lot of kids uh, mm. and, and young young people. In terms of your engagement with millennials mm. um, and, um, and and the younger, pre, the teenage years, what, what do you think is the most challenging aspect for them out there in terms of this digital age? I think the most challenging thing, if I had to be 14, 15 teenager as a whole on Instagram looking at the content, I think <clears throat> a challenge for me would me being happy with myself and me, my situation and my parents' finances, whatever the case may be. Um, just being happy with what I have and not be looking at what someone, oh, the new shoes that someone else mm. has or someone else is traveling with their family or whatever. Because people are always putting the nice things on Instagram. No one's posting their failures on there. No one's posting when they're in the... Okay, so maybe some people look mm. great in their pajamas, but mm. no one's really actively posting that all mm. the time. So it's hard for people to actually just feel happy by just loving. You feel like you always have to dress up or wear makeup or you know be a version of yourself that you might necessarily be and might not necessarily be able to afford Mm. in the first place so if i was a 14 15 year old girl on instagram i'd actually hopefully delete the app Mm. or i'd follow people who are actually inspiring and people who are going to nurture my soul and my mind and look for conscious content rather than name branded superficial content and that's kind of why i'm not on instagram right now because currently to be honest with you i don't know what to put out there um because i don't want someone at the other end to feel bad about how their life is going Mm. um and even if it is something positive in my life my intention is never to hurt anyone but you never know who's receiving it and so if i'm if there's a slight chance that someone might be hurt by me living my best life i'd rather not put it out there and live my best life in the real anyway. Can, can I ask you this question? Yeah. Let's go back to the day you, you, you made your first cup of tea at that radio station. Yeah. Who are you looking back? I'm not sure if Instagram was around you back then. Yeah. But would you, would you think of posting that as a lesson to someone? Um, I would. I would most definitely. And is that the content you think we should have out there? I would. I would. I wouldn't necessarily post mm. the actual cup of tea because <laughs> um, it was a really terrible cup of uh, tea. Okay. But I would, and I would write something about an opportunity. I would write something about to my future self to stay motivated while making all the 500 other cups of teas that I made. Um, and just to also be a re- serve as a reminder that nothing is too small of a step. No platform is too small. Um, if you literally want it and work for it, then... By all means, go for it. And honestly, it sounds cliche, but it happened for me. And I, I guess that's all I can say. It happened for me. It'll happen for you. So, John. Mm-hmm. I want to go back again to Expresso. Mm-hmm. How was the interview? <laughs> How did you get the job? <laughs> so, I was actually an editor at Bill's Community at the time. And one of the things that came across my desk was this job spec that I needed to edit for Bill's Community's website. And it was for Expresso. And I just got married and I asked my husband, 
do you think I should apply? And he was like, yeah, sure. And I was like, I don't fit any of these this credentials. I, I don't think I'd ever get it. And he said, send your CV. And there was a writing test too. And I wrote it and I sent it off. And then I got a call to go for the for the interview. And I was worried, what am I going to wear? You know, oh my gosh, I'm going to meet Katleja. Oh gosh, you know, that type of thing. Um, but I went for the interview and it was the same like every other interview process. There was a test for me to write. I had to, um, I think it was write a new script and also write an entertainment script type of thing. And that's what I'd done. And I hadn't again heard from them for like two weeks. But afterwards, I got the call to say I'd gotten a job. Wow. And I was honestly so dumbstruck, I think, mm. because yeah. I, I, I never thought I'd get it. But when I did get it, I also knew that it was a big challenge for me because I'd never worked in TV. Um, I was also working with celebrities, you know. And so it was a big wake-up call for me in terms of me actually growing myself and my skills as well. But yeah, that's how I got the job. Wow. Amazing. I want to go back to you. You mentioned earlier about failures. Yeah. Can you tell us about maybe one yeah. or two of your failures? <clears throat> so I'll tell you about a failure on Expresso. <clears throat> so Expresso is a live TV show, right? Some of the segments are recorded. Like, for example, if I'm going to shoot at the Met on Sunday, Expresso is on on Sunday. So I'll shoot on Sunday, we'll edit it, and I'll air on Monday or Tuesday for the latest. But because it's a live show, if I book Zahir on the show, for example, and Zahir runs late, then what's going to happen? So I booked a very big South African musician. Not going to say the person's name. (coughs) (coughs) Yeah, I won't say his name. And we were punting and punting that this person was going to be on the show. And then at... 12 or just after 12 on a Sunday night. So I would write the content for Expresso's Monday morning show on a Sunday night because it's a live show. So obviously, if a plane fell out the sky in the middle of the night, I'd need to wake up in the middle of the night, write it. So when you tune in at 6 o'clock, it's the latest, you know, or the, uh, or the most recent news. So then this person didn't even have the decency, the agent didn't even have the decency to phone me to say, oh, X, Y, Z isn't coming. And... Sent an SMS. Oh, you won't be able to come. You're sick or whatever, whatever. And I checked this person's Instagram. He was loving it up in the hotels, you know. So I knew he wasn't sick. But then I was stressing and I called our executive producer. And that was a big failure on my side. We're not thinking that it's a live show. If this person doesn't pitch, what am I going to do? And luckily we had enough spanked content that we could put in the show and, and... the show survived, but that was a big failure on myself mm-hmm. by just kind of thinking that people will come. You should always, always, always have a backup plan. Always. Yeah. So you've been in the in the industry for how long now? Ten, ten years or? No, not ten years. I'd say nine. Nine. nine? Not oh, ten okay. years. Close to ten years. Okay. And you've you've gone through an earlier struggle in terms <coughs> of the parents separating and <coughs> and your high schooling and. Yeah. Thinking back, what did you say? What would you say are you most grateful for, besides being on this podcast? <laughs> uh, this podcast is my life. Can I just thank Sahir and Khalil again for the opportunity? Um, I think I'm most grateful for the opportunity at VOC. I will always be. That's where it started. Um, if I never got that, I don't think I would have gotten anything else. It's a platform. It's somewhere that you can learn. Um, it's something that's also very sentimental to our community. It's one of the oldest Muslim stations within South Africa. 
So I'm very proud to have been part of something that was so pioneering then. It might not still be pioneering now in this landscape, but I'm very proud to have come from that and, and that it was a community station. It wasn't a fancy place that gave me the opportunity. It was our own people. And mm. I'm very grateful that our own people kind of looked after me in that way. What's next for Zahra? Inshallah, um, I would love to start my own production company um, one day. I'm, I'm currently working on my first feature film. It's an animation film set to release in 2020 in theaters across South Africa. So I'll, I'll tell you more when I can. Look, for, look out for it in the press in next year, inshallah. But I'd like to start my own production company and my own uh, a Muslim show where there's like I say, conscious content where we ask difficult questions, but we also interview people regardless of whether they wear a scarf or don't wear a scarf or what they do in their personal personal lives. If they're inspiring our community and they're great, you know, ambassadors for us, who are we to judge what they do in their personal capacity or time, you know? I'd, I'd get the stories, I'd put it out there and let our viewers decide. Um, and also through a production company like that, um, like to actually create jobs for our people, and also tell stories about our people because if we don't tell our own stories, who's going to? Exactly. Exactly. One of the ambitions we had here was mm. to to create an archive or a repository mm. of, of, of stories or legacies. Mm. I mean, that's what we told uh, Uncle Shafiq actually. Mm. He's, <laughs> if you sat in his interview, you're a bit wowed by the the enormity of his um, uh, his, his, his portfolio in yeah. terms of the stories he can yeah. tell. And and we feel that, that was one of the reasons. So we definitely would support you. We and the money would support your your, your, your production <laughs> company. Don't you worry. <laughs> we should actually just keep both our monies and start our own oh, together. What's your favorite Quranic verse or story? So, my favorite one will always be Ikra, Bismi Rabbi Halak, only because it's the first to have been revealed, and I feel like that's obviously the first that has gone into the Quran and kind of the start of the Quran. And I think also it comes from Surah Al Hadid, and it's um, for you, with you, wherever you are. And there's just something so reassuring about that. that Allah is worth me, whether and you can, and that can mean both ways, you know. Oops, I'm gonna sin. Oh no, Allah's with me, you know. I shouldn't, or when I'm feeling bad or sad. Oh, I shouldn't feel sad. Allah's with me. I've got Him. It's enough. I'm happy. Allah's with me. We're sharing in this in this joyous moment, and I think those two are my are my favorites. No, you know, political yeah. climate. How is it for for a Muslim lady? How are you received? So, to be honest with you, um, I did find that there was a different reaction to me when I had worn a scarf versus when I didn't wear a scarf. And I'm going to be very honest, when because I was also a young journalist needing to make a name for myself, because context is everything within this media mm. landscape. I didn't wear my scarf on several occasions, especially, and I was on camera as well, and I needed to build that um, kind of contacts and network with people. And I never wore a scarf for while I was doing that. And it's gotten to a point where I am on this friend basis with Bonang and whoever, or not necessarily friend, but I can send SMS now to the agent and set up something and next mm. week it could be possible type of thing. Um, and I think now because they've already respect me, regardless of whether uh, what I'm wearing or what I'm not wearing, that it doesn't matter anymore because my skills and my capabilities speak for itself. But because I think because we're in a Christian dominated media society, it will be challenging, I think, for any person within hijab or who's 
necessarily rocking up in a salat up to the mitt. Mm. They'll think, what are you doing here? And also in the same breath, there's a lot of negative stigmas attached to these events. So, for example, the Met was uh, sponsored by JMB. Um, the first time I, I had done it, it wasn't the Sun Met yet mm. at the time. And I'd gone, but because it's an alcohol brand, it's a negative, you know, in, uh, kind of mindset. You immediately think negatively of it because there's an alcohol brand involved. Yeah. And we shouldn't be supporting an event like that. But it's my job. I, I'm getting paid to do that. So, there's a kind of people perceive that you also may be indulging. But at the end of the day, if you know who you are, you know your dean, you know where you come from, you were raised correctly, you know, can you sit in upside, so to speak, then you can go to whether it's the Met or the Pink Polo or whatever, and the champagne can be rolling, but you're not going to touch anything because you're there to work. Do you think um, in um, as you progressed, as mm. you became better, as your skills were more appreciated, the scarf became irrelevant in terms yeah, of the people irrelevant. interacting. It's they saw the skill, yeah. the excellence that you were portraying, which is Islamic in any case. Yeah. yeah. So they saw the scarf didn't matter, the clothes didn't matter anymore. And not that I had, the only thing I had not worn was my scarf. My dress was never simpy or, or, or sexual or anything like that. Um, but it is at the point where my skills speak louder than what are my clothes. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Do you have any regrets in life? I think I do regret sometimes being too eager to do things. Um, sometimes it does kind of take, like, you can be humble, but if you're too eager for something, you're not going to be patient to, to let the time go. Because I've taken on sometimes roles or positions or challenges that I maybe wasn't necessarily mature enough to handle at the time. So if I could have gone back, I would have waited a little more before I took those challenges. But at the same time, if I didn't take those challenges, I possibly wouldn't have been where I am today. So I guess it's a catch-22. I think I regret not wearing my scarf from the get-go because I feel more confident in myself now than I did. So now if I'm going to rock up to interview who know you, I can wear my scarf because I know I'm going to impress them and I'm going to make them feel liquor and they're going <laughs> to want to be like, come, come over for some tea and let's talk you know and then I'll make the tea for them at the house also just like I did at the radio yeah, station I'm sure the cup of tea is much better now <laughs> yes yes for sure <laughs> Zana, did, are you are you like self-taught did you teach yourself how to present because the way you present is always this eye and the shoulder moving up or oh. something like that so you, do you have a mentor so I had uh, Leanne Williams was my mentor at Expresso um, yeah. I'm not spending as much time at Expresso now because of other commitments and because I'm shooting for Anur at um, quite lengthy days. <clears throat> but I did kind of teach myself to present on radio first. And because I had that confidence just speaking with my voice, there's no kind of pressure to look a certain way or act a certain way. And that comes naturally. So when you have a camera up, I kind of just zoned out. It was a bit challenging because I did have bad habits, but it's easy to change and if, if you're determined if you have someone who likely add and if you're working in that space because I was working on a live show every day I had five presenters that I could look at every day and just watch you know still me too, ugh, so to speak <laughs> and then that's what I done and, and yeah I am wow, wow. fascinating Brilliant. Brilliant. my last question no man my second last question no ask more <laughs> are you enjoying it? yeah I am that's we should cool. make a TV show <laughs> I think we should eh? we should definitely do you have any advice for someone that wants to get into the media, uh, into the media industry? Should they make tea like you, <laughs> coffee? I think 
Or is it a, is, I know it's a cutthroat industry. Yeah. So I don't think that you necessarily have to make tea or coffee, but I'm saying the, the, what I want people to gather from that and, and take away from that is the opportunity. No opportunity is too big or too small. If it's an internship and it's only on weekends or late nights or whatever, if you really want to do that and you can't kind of do it right now because you are working two jobs or working and studying and it's nights or whatever, if you're really passionate, you'll make a way to do it. And sooner or later, someone who matters or will notice your efforts and it'll grow. Well, I, it will grow because if you work hard, good things will come to you, honestly. So my advice to people would be no opportunity is too small. If you see something and you think, hey, I could do that, apply. And at the same time, stay humble within this industry. You're going to go much further within there if you are friendly and respectful and professional um, than if you come in and now you have a big opportunity and now you are ducting and you want to delegate. And, you know, you're not going to get much further than that. And also keep good contacts. I think that's my three. So stay humble. No opportunity is too small. And make sure you always have good contacts. Never burn bridges because you're going to possibly need those people back again. The circle is quite small and you're just a fish in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. One question we didn't ask, mm-hmm. how do you define success? Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't define success as anything monetary or physical value because we don't take it with us anyway. You know, and Kiyama. I define success as actually being happy um, and being around people who respect you and who you respect and who are positive energy and nurture you. I think that's successful because it's really hard to actually be happy in this day and age. There's so many people who have a wealth of things, accumulated wealth over the years, but they're not happy. And and I don't think that's success because success is something that, you know, ultimately makes you happy. It's a feeling. So I think success is happiness to me. Today's your last day. Mm. You're going to die. Yeah. But you only have enough energy <laughs> to, say, <laughs> to say about the two set words. Mm. Besides your kalima, mm. what would it tell us? I would ask Maaf. I wouldn't tell anything. I'd literally ask Maaf to everyone who I offended or did wrong, intentionally, unintentionally, anyone who even has an inkling of bad feelings, I'd just ask Maaf and then... (laughs) Satvaraka. Definitely, definitely bubbly. (laughs) Stories that show determination, mashallah. Just a third one again. Friendly. Friendly, yes, 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 yes. Friendly as you get ten up. subscribers after this, and I'm friendly. If not, <laughs> thumbs up. Oh, we're not live. Okay, okay. No, sorry. I thought we were on Facebook. So, uh, Zahra, thank you very much for being here. Uh, definitely will add value to our repository, <laughs> our archive, our legacy of stories and experiences. I think um, that's what we're about mm. as a community. We should share, mm. and sometimes sharing your experiences is, if not more valuable than your cups of tea mm. uh, it's uh, it's something that people can look after not only today they can look at many years from mm. now I think that's the power of podcasting that's possibly even the power of, of the internet mm. that someone in an obscure country out in South America can log on one day on accidental muslims.com mm. and see what's happening here. and mm. maybe they can learn something mm. no shukran for having me like I said I'm very inspired by what you guys are doing I think there's very little platforms who are sharing and I'll say it again conscious content and you guys are doing really well you're growing 
in growing and growing and i think that that's always good um shukran for having me i wish you guys all the best may allah bless your show and you and all your future endeavors mm-hmm. inshallah and may we always be keeping touch you never know if we're gonna work on something inshallah <laughs> so that's it for today's show we hope you added value we hope you enjoyed it but most of all we hope our guests inspired you to live with purpose don't forget to send us your suggestions via info at accidentalmuslims.com If you know anybody out there that is inspiring, that's leading, that's living with purpose, please uh, do contact us. And remember, feedback is our oxygen. So follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. I hope you enjoyed. God bless. Assalamu alaikum.